Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Happy holidays, y'all. I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. So today on the show, we're talking about Britney's lifelong love, Lifetime films. I mean, yes, but specifically Lifetime's holiday films. In the past few years, Lifetime has totally revamped and re-energized the genre by making Black, Brown, Asian, queer, and disabled folks the focus of their programming. The turn to Black-led programming in particular has been exciting and perplexing at times to Brittany and me, so we decided to dissect a few of them and their appeal for you all today. We have a special appearance from Lifetime's VP of Scripted Content, Sepna Vyas, to give us the real deal on Lifetime's evolution. You won't want to miss this. So I grew up with a sister, older sister, shout out, who loves Lifetime and Hallmark films. (laughs) And so I grew up watching them too, especially the holiday ones. Like I love a good holiday film. I like the big budget Hollywood ones, like The Holiday or even The Family Stone. I know, controversial pick. I know sometimes like people are not super into that one, but I love holiday movies, but I always wish that they had been more diverse. Especially, I'd say like the Hallmark holiday movies are very much like blonde girl from the city ends up in the country with the park ranger. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a Bible involved somewhere. But. Yeah, there's a Bible involved. And then the small town, like, lets her light the Christmas tree. Like, you know what I'm saying? That type of stuff. Yeah. And it's cute. But those movies are always coded for women. But, like, specifically, like, when I say women in that tone, I mean, like, middle class, white, heterosexual, cisgender women. Yeah. And for a while, Hallmark, they had the whole holiday movie market on lock, like mm-hmm. in a chokehold. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't. I don't watch Hallmark that much uh, <laughs> anymore, for sure. I don't have basic cable, so I actually don't see Hallmark <laughs> too much anymore either. Holiday programming, like Hallmark had it on lock for quite a few years. But in the past couple years, Lifetime has really stepped up and expanded their holiday programming. So like last year, me and my fiance were spending the holidays pretty much just the two of us, which is a big change for me. I had never spent Christmas away from my, even my immediate family, ever, Mm, never. I always spent it at home with them since I was born, literally. So it was a big change during the pandemic to have it just be me and my fiance at home. It was nice, but I still felt like I was missing that Christmas magic, I suppose you could say. And so we got into watching Feliz Navidad, actually, which was about a single father Played by Mario Lopez. (laughs) November 21st. You got a match. This dad is single and ready to mingle. You look like the type of principal I wish I had. Qualified? Will he swipe right on Christmas love? The line between Dorky and... But yeah, so we started watching that one. We were like, oh, holiday movie Mario Lopez. Like, why not? You know what I'm saying? Gives you that nostalgic little feeling. 
And we ended up getting into their entire slate. I mean, we watched so many of their movies. That's how I got into Merry Little Christmas Wedding, which was a part of their Merry Little franchise starring Kelly Rowland. Mm -hmm. I watched one film that was starring Ali Stroker, who is the Tony-winning actress from Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. who is disabled and uses a wheelchair. And she was the star of a holiday movie. And I was like, I've never seen this before. They had, I think, Sugar and Spice Holiday, which was like all Asian family cast. I was like, I've never seen this before. And we just found ourselves watching them like all the time, like every day. It kind of scratched that itch that I always had for like a holiday movie that would feature not just people that look like me, but just people that just weren't just the same white actress over and over and over again. And this year, it feels like Lifetime is back, blacker than ever. They got something called Welcome to the Christmas Family Reunion. I'm black. I never heard of a Christmas family reunion. I don't know if you have. Well, they they had to shift it because of the pandemic. You know, it couldn't be in the summer anymore. (laughs) Summer was was not quite as popping as we hoped, so. (laughs) That's true. That's true. We did not have the hot girl summer that we were anticipating. But this year, they got a Christmas dance reunion uh, for all my black high school musical heads out there. Monique Coleman and Corbin Blue are back together. That was a treat. That was a treat. And also, they got Kirk Franklin's Gospel Christmas, which, like, what grandmother, mother, auntie doesn't want to see that? Like, there are even more films beyond that. Like, those are the ones that primarily feature black cast, but there are also so many other Black leads of holiday movies that are like, you know, one half of like a holiday romance. They also have interracial couples as the leads of their films that aren't just a white person and a person of color, if you can imagine that. You can imagine that. There's even an interracial romance featuring a lesbian couple called Under the Christmas Tree, okay? So after seeing all of this amazing programming last year and getting into some of it this year, I really want to talk to you, Eric about my love for Lifetime holiday movies and the interesting things I think that they're doing with Black programming this year because it's aggressive and I love it. It is aggressive. I think it's it, it feels especially aggressive because I feel like I picked up on it. Like, <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh, if I'm yeah. noticing this change in this trend, y'all are doing something intentional. Or it feels like <laughs> it, at least. Well, uh, let's, I want to talk about how you may have been exposed to all of these Lifetime holiday ads because um, I know... We've discussed my lifelong love and obsession with all things Lifetime. But um, I also know that you're currently a Lifetime viewer with the Lifetime app yourself. Yes. So please talk to me. What what gave you such affection for this network? I mean, initially, I will be honest, it wasn't affection. Initially, it was my sister's eight years older than me. And my... You know, my mom obviously was a grown woman. And I didn't get to choose TV programming often. But lately, I feel like... Lifetime has been targeting me, which feel, I feel very out of their demographic, like <laughs> as a 35-year-old straight Black man. But between Married at First Sight, some mm-hmm. of their like other like reality TV offerings, and the casting of the movie trailers has had me like, this feels like it's almost <laughs> like, the, like a good, positive version of how people talk about the algorithm choosing content. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I saw, it was like a 30-second trailer I saw Vivica Fox, she has a daughter, cheerleading murder mystery. The right moves might catch the wrong eye. I didn't mean to scare you. You can never be too careful as a woman. Vivica A. Fox. Looks like you messed with the wrong cheerleader. The wrong cheerleader. And I was like, I am there. You're in. There. (laughs) You have me, you have my attention, I'm paying attention. And it wasn't just that. Like, I've just seen so many kind of interesting, like, combinations of cast, plot, and, like, randomness that have really, like, I 
dare I say, I, I think I'm a Lifetime fan now. Like Ooh. I said, like I have, I watch Lifetime a lot now. And, you know, that <laughs> used to be a thing that I think I might have been ashamed to say, but like, I feel mm. like with this shift, I like, am more, I can say it with my whole chest now, you know, like, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of nice. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, like, when you talk about feeling, like, targeted by the programming, in a good way, like, I, I really feel that with the way that Lifetime has invested in its kind of, like, newest franchise star, Kelly Rowland. Lifetime has kind of put a lot of their eggs in her basket. Like, this year marks the third installment of her Merry Little Christmas franchise. It started in 2019 with the Merry Little Christmas Kelly Rowland plays this woman who is a tech entrepreneur, which is funny, I have to just say, because we all know that Kelly does not know what Microsoft Excel is. <laughs> so it's very cute to me that she is playing a tech entrepreneur, but she's playing a tech entrepreneur whose family kind of is like staying with her for the holidays against her wishes and meddling in her business. She ends up falling in love with a neighbor and then in Merry Little Christmas, because they're yeah. the little family. And then in Merry Little Christmas Wedding in 2020, surprise, they get married. And then this year in Merry Little Christmas Baby, surprise, she's pregnant. Look at this ornament Josh made for the baby. Wasn't that sweet? They're both so excited to have a baby sister. You mean baby brother. Oh, is that what I mean, huh? <laughs> I want our Christmas to be just like this. They spent, like, Lifetime invested a lot marketing-wise in the film. It seems like they also spent a decent amount of money producing it. It looks really well done. They also had a Black woman direct this third installment. She's a Black Canadian woman director that I wasn't familiar with, which mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting. But also, they, like, blocked out an entire day of programming, like, right in the beginning of, like, their holiday kickoff programming thing, Saturday at the end of November, they played all three movies in a row and like encouraged people to like live tweet, like live Instagram, like their reactions to the film. They put a lot of energy behind this. And that's interesting to me because as Hallmark was kind of like the king of holiday films or the queen, perhaps maybe, one of their most invested in stars was actually Candace Cameron Bure. Do you mm. know who that is? Yeah. A full house, right? Yes, and she Fuller played DJ House. Tanner on yeah. Full House and Fuller House. That's true. I have not seen the latter. I have. Um, you can skip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Eric's word <laughs> is botched. Um, but yeah, she also is known for being a really intense evangelical conservative. Mm -hmm. And she's yeah. been one. She and her brother, Kirk Cameron, for those of you who are not old heads like me and Eric, he used to be the star of this show called Growing Pains. He then starred in the Left Behind series, which yeah. some of you may have seen in a church basement or <laughs> under duress at camp um, <laughs> or at some sort of church lock-in overnight. Yeah. And they're not great. <laughs> like, Candace Cameron Beer is not a nice lady. And I think that it would be pretty fair to call a lot of her beliefs generally, what I've, like every sort of phobia, racist, mm -hmm sexist, misogynist, homophobic, transphobic. Um, phobia bingo. She, yes, phobia bingo, exactly. She ain't great. But Hallmark, that is who their girl was. Like, I remember one year watching some of the holiday programming on Hallmark with my older sister, and we were just, like, having it on the background. Because, you know, they, they have a million of these movies. It's not like she's the only person. I think, like, Melissa Joan Hart's done a couple. And I will say they have expanded their content too. I think Loretta Devine was one in one of their holiday movies or something like that. So they're trying to do something now. Mm -hmm. I think they feel the pressure put on them. But like Candace Cameron Bure was like the person like 
almost like on TCM, like in the middle of like every movie, she's coming on screen and being like, welcome to Hallmark's holiday, blah, blah, blah. Like that's their queen. Yeah. She was their girl. So it's very interesting to me that Lifetime has been investing in this long-term relationship with someone like Kelly Rowland, who is very much like a very chic, millennial, A-list, black, brown skin celebrity and putting her in a romance. And I was sh- also shocked at how much that seemed like, oh yeah, this is the obvious thing to do. In the sense that mm. like Kelly Rowland is that kind of the opposite, the very much the anti Candace Cameron beer. She's like the opposite yeah. of that. But in this way that like feels very refreshing from this ideal that we've all kind of had in our heads. Like I don't watch Hallmark and I don't watch really the Hallmark movies, but I'm absolutely familiar with like the ads that they're playing all the time with, mm-hmm. you know, these like kind of cascading caravan of white conservative actresses, maybe separate from Melissa John Hart. I don't want to shade her. Yeah. That, that ain't what yeah, she Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know her. I don't know her, <laughs> I don't know her I don't politics. Know, I don't know her politics, so I don't want to assume. <laughs> yeah, but... You know, I mean, we've noticed that. And so it was kind of awesome to me to see that this franchise has been kind of like growing to this degree, like at least underneath my radar. Mm -hmm. But I would say the past like two years, I've been aware that like, oh, no, this is a thing. And like it carries like a real audience behind it. And it's been very much exciting to see. Like, yeah. And actually, to my first point, after watching one of their biggest releases this year, Merry Little Christmas Baby with Kelly Rowland, this shit is good. Like, I really enjoyed it. Yes! It made me for sure want to go back and like watch the other two. And there are also definitely like jokes that I was like, oh, I absolutely had to have seen the, <laughs> the first two to get it. But it's also such an easy watch that like it was ridiculous that I didn't also just start at the beginning and go straight through. It also very much felt like I was watching just a middle class black woman's fantasy sequence. Like <laughs> it and, and I say that with confidence because I would just look over, I watched it with my wife Jasmine, and I would look over and she just had this like glaze, this like smile glaze across her face, like the whole <laughs> movie. Because uh-huh. you could just tell like everything felt it felt very affirming. It was just like, you know, this yeah. this like uh, like we said, you know, Kelly Rowland, she's a black woman, tech entrepreneur. She has this, like, very big but clearly fake belly that, like, you know, she's <laughs> trying to, like, move around. Uh, you know, so she's, like, you know, pained by, like, the trials of pregnancy, but also doing uh-huh. pretty damn well. Never looked like she broke a sweat. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. looks so pleasantly tired. Oh, my gosh. And her highlights in her wig were just beyond. Like, how <laughs> she had a full face of perfect makeup on. And... I literally, when I was watching that, with I was watching with my fiance, and I was like, oh my God, because it's a long story, but my hairstylist will not let me dye my hair back dark. She said, I look my true self with blonde hair. And so I've had blonde hair for the past five years and I love it. But sometimes I want to, you know, go back to my roots, literally. And I saw Kelly Rowland's hair and I was like, when I get money, I'm buying a fucking wig. When I get some money. It was they, goals. She invested. She invested for sure. But I think the thing that I clicked for me, like, mm-hmm. in terms of what a strategy could be or, like, what they might be trying to achieve was, like, a different aspect of the earnest TV that I've been coming to really enjoy. Like, mm. that for me felt like the equivalent of, and I don't make, mean to make this so, like, gender, but, like, it felt like the equivalent of, like, Ted Lasso. I've been using Ted mm. Lasso, that show, as just, like, something that kind of feels good, you know? Like, 
Yeah. I, I don't necessarily see myself in Ted Lasso, but I love the idea of people going through trials, going through tribulations, but like they're coming at it with like good intentions and, you know, coming out of it feeling like nothing really terrible happens. Yeah. And that's what my experience of kind of watching this movie and a couple of others were like. And I went into watching the movie, uh-huh. watching it very ironically and like being like, huh. oh, we're going to kind of, you know, I'm going to laugh a little bit, uh, yeah. a little bit at and a little bit with the thing. Mm-hmm. By the end, I was just kind of, you know, I wanted to just make sure the little family was doing all right. They seem like a good group of blacks. Like I'm, I'm right? kind of into where they're headed. <laughs> right. Like they're, the, the thing is, is that like they're charming and they're comforting. And what you just said makes me think of how my fiance and I got into watching these movies because mm-hmm. we wanted some comfort. We wanted something that felt kind of predictable, but also felt a little familiar. Yeah. I can't speak to the authenticity of Felice Navidad because I am not Chicano American. Like that's not my experience, but I mean, Mario Lopez between <laughs> Saved yeah. by the Bell and Entertainment Tonight. We don't grow up That's with my man. boy. We yeah. go back. Like <laughs> we go back. I remember when he was engaged to marry the Doritos girl. We go back. Okay. But yeah, I, I think that like a lot of the holiday offerings that Lifetime has been giving, especially the films that focus on black people and people of color and other people of people of other marginalized backgrounds, everybody deserves to have a little bit of that holiday comfort mm-hmm. and a little bit of that holiday joy, even if it's not the most dramatic. It yeah. might not be the most be the most like tear jerkery. Although I'm not gonna lie, did I cry <laughs> you shed a couple tears? times? <laughs> shed a couple of tears. A merry little Christmas baby. That's shed deep. a couple of tears. It is deep. It is deep. But you know what, though? Look, we've been in this pandemic almost two years, okay? (laughs) All my emotions are at the surface, so let me cook. But even, I mean, even though, like, it was a very comforting and somewhat predictable watch, in the way that you want a holiday movie to be, there were also elements that I found kind of surprising. Like, there Mm. was an adoption subplot. There's a subplot where Kelly Rowland's character is concerned that she's not going to be a good mom. She's Mm. already been a bonus mom to the two children that her husband brought from a previous relationship. And, and, and the mom's not dead. I just got to... And I was just going to... I noticed that thing. too. The mom's not dead. <laughs> they, she she makes mention of frequently that like, oh, well, we have the kids every other week. They're in a 50-50 yeah. co-parenting. That was exciting. Like, yeah. I, saw, I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, look at that. Okay. Look at this. Black family. There's no, there's no drama over the sharing of the kids, which is usually used as a plot line. Yeah. That's not everybody's experience. Yeah. Some people... Yeah, exactly. Some people are able to co-parent and it's a joy and not necessarily this huge headache that has to take over the entire plot of the movie. <laughs> Tyler Perry. But um, yeah, but you know, she's she's been a bonus mom to the two children that her husband brought from a previous relationship, but she hadn't had the experience of like giving birth and having a biological child of her own. And she was Nervous, like, am I going to know what to do with the baby? There's no instruction manual for this. I don't know what's going on. And it was really interesting to see the other people in her life sort of reinforce that, like, yeah, maybe you weren't somebody who considers themselves somebody with maternal instincts. Or maybe you didn't always want to babysit. Or maybe you weren't that interested in kids. But you can still be a good mom if that's what you want to do. And that meant a lot to me. (laughs) I thought that that was, like, a really interesting thing to have in there in a black family holiday movie. Like they didn't necessarily need to have that subplot, but it added a lot of depth to the film. No, it added a lot of depth. And then that paired with something you mentioned, like the familiarity, like the authenticity Mm -hmm. of these films are like surprisingly apt, like very detail oriented, even to the point. So like I'm getting these kind of complex plot lines, but also they have a dad character who has like this portfolio phone case who always is like 
like has the camera up (laughs) in like the exact way that like, oh, black men don't quite know how to use technology, but they know like it's their job to be like using technology and recording shit. So like, (laughs) you know, you just see him randomly like making sure like, oh, I'm capturing this. Oh Oh my gosh. Uh, The husband at there's a baby shower scene. The husband was wearing a Burberry sweater. Yeah. Now Burberry (laughs) is the official clothier of a black baby shower. Yeah, exactly. When I saw him wearing Burberry sweater, I was like, oh my Lord. They really got the details. The only way it could have been more detailed is if there had been a shot of meatballs. If I had just seen <laughs> a, a good old chafing, you know, one of those chafing pans full yeah. of Swedish meatballs, I would have been like, and there it is. And I love that the movies are like giving opportunities to folks who like, I feel like don't have as clear a lane for a certain type of success. And yes. I'm going to like, I want to make a distinction because we have like A-list kind of stars. And a lot of times, like when you start going down that list, it feels like very... There's a drop-off point. Yeah. And it's not that way with white celebrity. There are so many gradients to white celebrity. And sort of like one of the things that I I was saying to our producer, Alexis, the other day, because we actually ended up like talking about something similar, I think, to the point that you might be trying to get to. (laughs) But like, what's that girl's name? Dakota Johnson, who was in uh, the... Fifty Shades and all that stuff, yeah. The fact that she has starred in several movies and has kind of become an A-list celebrity, if Fifty Shades of Grey was the first film for a Black actress, she would not have the same career. And not only would she not have that career, she also wouldn't be a couple rungs down the ladder. She might just hit a steep drop-off point. It's kind of like, as a Black actor, it feels like your options are to go low and slow for a long Mm -hmm. time or to kind of get into a bunch of A-list projects back-to-back. After being a child star for 15 years. Exactly. A day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I mean, to that point, there's like, there's probably like 20 black A-list actors and actresses who get like a bulk of the quote unquote, like serious prestige work. Mm-hmm. But there's so many, you know, black actors and actresses out there who are amazing and great. Like, you yeah. know, Kelly Rowland is not like, not a bad actress. She's not, no, you know, she's she got to be Viola. Really she's good, you know? Brisha Webb. Every time oh, I see Brisha Webb in something, my queen, I'm always like, "Damn, I want to see you in more stuff." And to yes. be honest, I felt like this was a bit more of a. And again, I don't, I don't say this with any like shade to it. I thought Merry Little Christmas Baby was actually a better showcase for her talent than even like Run the World. I don't know. And she's I, a star on that, and show. she's a star on that show. So like, and I, I watched every episode. <laughs> well, I didn't. I'll just say I that did. I'm not gonna shade I, that. Show. I did. I want to see shows like that continue to exist. Yeah, and they got renewed. And I'm excited to see the next season. The actresses on the show are very, very charming. But I agree. Brisha Webb is, to me, like, she's one of those actresses right now where, like, I feel like she is about to pop. And she better. I'm done with Hollywood if they don't. I'm done with Hollywood (laughs) if they don't. I pray every night. I'm like, can you just give me a movie where she and Regina Hall play sisters. Can you just can you just give that to me? I need it so bad. Uh, Brisha Webb is such a great comedic actress, but she's also pretty good with the emotional stuff too. Yeah. If you aren't familiar with her name, if you google her, you'll, you will, you know her. You've seen her You'll face. recognize her face. And if you don't quite recognize her face, look at her IMDb and then remember all the places that you've seen her over the exactly. past like 5 or so years. She's an incredible actress, but I agree. I felt like she had so much range to work within playing not necessarily the lead character, but the sister of the lead character yeah. of this holiday movie. And she had so many cute scenes, a lot of physical comedy. Yeah. She had like one of the more emotional scenes that like, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but like, I mean, you know, in these kind of movies, there's only so many. The shit works out. You know, you know how <laughs> things go. You know, it's going to be like, is it? it's either 
a baby, a pregnancy announcement, yeah. a proposal, a wedding. Or sometimes or, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, or all of the above, and then meeting somebody at the airport to profess your love. It's, all, it's, one, of the, it's one of the five. But I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that that's a really good point that like, it's not just programming that we like. It's also like they find these really specifically beloved black stars and give them the sort of platform and showcase for their talent that they're not typically always finding. There's one more point I want to make with this. I I think that is also important because of even how we have thought of the typical lanes for these types of actors. But it's nice to kind of see an ecosystem this large and connected bubbling up that feels like it could be an alternative. This is not only good and exciting in terms of the feeling I get, I feel like it's serving like an actual good in the industry. It's kind of nice to know that like there's these black stars who even if they can't get the sort of like leading lady, leading man, like leading actor opportunities in Hollywood, that they can get a yearly check from Lifetime, you know what I'm saying, to star in, maybe produce. They can get themselves a yearly check and have a filmmaking experience. And they also get to show their work to people who are going to love it, like us. And I love that. Yeah. I, it kind of feels like with Lifetime, like it's not just, I'm not just getting this from the holiday programming. Like you brought up some of the reality TV show offerings they have, like Married at First Sight. I've seen most of the seasons. Every season has featured at least one, two black couples, which is a big deal for love reality shows. They don't always feature black couples unless it's a b- specifically black only cast show. Yeah. And like the cheerleader murder movies, like <laughs> featuring Vivica Fox, but also like the Clark sisters mm-hmm. biopic, the Whitney Houston biopic starring yeah. Yaya DaCosta from a few years ago. Wendy Williams. Um, the Wendy Williams doc, the R. Kelly, surviving R. Kelly mm-hmm. documentary that was done with Dream Hampton, the upcoming Janet Jackson documentary coming yeah. out in 2022. It's interesting because it feels like Lifetime is not just doing this with their holiday programming. It feels like it's happening across the network. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like I'm starting to get from Lifetime what I feel like OWN could or should be giving us. Like I'm getting this wide variety of Black programming. It's not just one or two types of Black people in a couple of situations. It's like consistent all year. Do you want campy? Mm -hmm. Do you want heartfelt? Do you want reality? Do you want mess? Do you want drama? We're going to give it to you. I don't know if I get that from too many other networks, even networks where I feel like they actually have the resources to be able to give us what we want. So as you've heard, Eric and I have been loving Lifetime's push into Black programming. But I was wondering, are these changes actually intentional? I decided to chat with their VP of scripted content, Sapna Vyas. We'll hear from her after the break. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Welcome back. Welcome back. So obviously, you know, Eric, you and I had an amazing time talking about how much we've enjoyed <laughs> Lifetime's holiday programming. Yes. You know, I'm glad that I could actually just bring you deeper into one of my favorite obsessions. Um, mm-hmm. It felt really good to to lead you in that way, to, 
expose you to new things. Um, but I think sure. that I I think that I can kind of speak for the both of us when I say that, you know, coming out of that conversation, we were left with a big question, like, just how intentional is this focus on diversity that we're seeing, you know? Yeah, I, I'm curious. Is it in your heart? Is it real? <laughs> is it really real? So I really wanted an answer to this question. I wanted to know, is it really real? So I got on the phone with Sapna Vyas, Lifetime's VP of scripted content, who also happens to be the head of their original holiday films. And after gushing to her for like maybe 90 seconds about how much I love Lifetime's holiday movies, I just straight up asked her, like, what's up with Lifetime's diverse holiday programming? Can you speak to the motivation behind Lifetime's investment in diverse holiday storytelling? First of all, I really appreciate you just recognizing it. Um, and you articulated it just so beautifully, what you've seen and how it's felt. So I've been at Lifetime since 2008, and I've been working in the industry since mm -hmm. 2006. Wow. And I used to work in scripted series before I worked in TV movies for Lifetime. You know, when I walked in the door in 2008, that intention has been first and foremost. Mm. And it's not a new intention that suddenly has come up in the last few years, even though the discussion and visibility and awareness of it has. So when it comes to hiring women, women of color, diverse groups, you know, whether it's race, sexual identity, that has been first and foremost sort of a very organic and natural place mm -hmm. that all of us have come from in, you know, who's coming to us, who wants to tell their stories. You know, Tatiana Ali has been in about six holiday movies dating back to 2013. Mm. Tony Braxton has been featured in holiday movies, you know, from four years ago. Kelly Rowland, obviously new to Lifetime in these last three years. I'm really excited yes. to see what you guys thought of the third movie. Um, but I will say I've been overseeing the ho specifically holiday films for the last four years at Lifetime. Mm. And what often gets forgotten as well is that Lifetime began in the genre in 1996. Hmm. There was a moment in time where I do feel we weren't making as many. We stepped a little bit out of the game. Because, you know, we're in biopics. We're doing true crime, true oh, stories. Yeah. Other scripted inspiration, stuff. Other stuff all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, so we made a big push to come back to holiday in the last five years. And I think maybe that is why it's also kind of re- this like reemerging of like lifetime holiday movies. And I'm just so <laughs> proud of the slate because, you know, Mario Lopez is now in his third feature that we're developing, you know, um, mm -hmm. I'm Loved super it. excited. I developed a feature uh, called under the Christmas tree featuring two women that's coming out this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, talent like Jackie Lay, who was in Sugar and Spice Holiday last year, which featured the full Asian American family. Mm -hmm. She's coming back again this year. Um, you know, stories about South Asian families and South Asian women. Yeah. It's, um, we always want to be authentic in our storytelling. We want our viewers and consumers to feel like they're seeing themselves up there. But what I do really value and appreciate from our storytellers and producers is that it is, it just is. You are just who you are. This is just the family that you're part of because everybody celebrates the holidays in different ways and they should all have their stories told. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And to what you say, like telling authentic stories, something that is of interest, specific interest to our show is like Lifetime's Black Holiday Programming. 
Even sure. that in and of itself is pretty diverse. We noticed like a, what feels like a specific focus on expanding lifetimes, black holiday programming. Sure. But also, you know, there's, you know, like the Whitney biopic that was starring Yaya DaCosta and the Clark sure. sisters biopic that came out a couple of years ago. Yep. And then the Janet documentary that's coming out, the Surviving R. Kelly documentary that came out a couple right. of years ago. It feels like there is a specific focus from Lifetime, obviously through specifically the holiday programming, but yeah. all of the scripted programming and even beyond that, that feels yeah. like it's an investment in Lifetime's Black audience. Is yeah. that lining up with how you guys are thinking about strategy sure. or are we like imagine? No, no, no. I think it's absolutely lining up with strategy. It's knowing your brand, knowing your audience, you know, going back, I, I, I'm going to date myself wrong, but I'm going to try my best. So going back to even when we made the remake of Steel Magnolias with mm-hmm. Queen Latifah, um, and like you mentioned, you know, Gabby Douglas story, or just like going back, right? Like we're talking yeah. 20, 2012, you know, like, again, it's it's being mindful of our audience. It's being mindful of of, of programming to to Black women and just our black audience. And I think it's um, also starting from the people that are coming to tell these stories. You know, we worked with Robin Roberts. Mm. We've worked with um, just so many fantastic producers and writers. I'd love to be very transparent in, in, and honest in my conversations, mm-hmm. but oftentimes you feel like it's an afterthought that it's just like, okay, yeah. a movie's ready. It's a movie's made. We're just going to put um, a black actor in it. And that's not how we operate. We yeah. operate very much from like, whose story is this? And how are we authentically telling it from a development standpoint? Who's writing it? Who's our producer? You know, Kelly Rowland had a great producer named Larissa Jones on this most recent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's having the right team in place to tell the story itself authentically. Again, whether it's Mahalia Jackson, whether it's Clark Sisters, whether it's A Gospel Christmas. And, and it's not just an afterthought. I mean, even to get specific, like the investment in Kelly Rowland as a franchise star seems sure. really intentional. She's this brown-skinned Black woman at the center of a holiday love story. And it's been three years in a row. I've enjoyed the entire journey. Right. <laughs> and I felt like at the end of the third movie, there was, there was room for a fourth, um, uh-huh. which I also was like, that feels like a really big vote of confidence. Um, and, and, and this franchise, even just you know, we've discussed so many different um, Lifetime movies with with Black Leads, but also, like, that franchise specifically has become a huge success. Sure. And that kind of goes against, quote-unquote, traditional Hollywood logic. I want to know, like, what is Lifetime seeing that Hollywood is not? I'll speak to speak specifically to Lifetime. Our team is going to make these movies. We are going to execute 40 to 50 original Lifetime movies a year. We're committed. We want to. We're invested. What I notice as I speak to so many creators, right, who are out there, the fact that there's so much opportunity now across so many platform streamers to go get your content made, to go get your content made beyond traditional means of a TV series, film, Mm -hmm. you know, can you make it a short? Can you go do a podcast? The opportunity is there. But getting something made, things sit in development for a very long time. And Mm. I think with us, we're very driven to, when we're serious about we're making this many movies, we are going to execute them in this calendar year, it gives sort of the creative auspices a drive right? Like mm-hmm. that it's going to happen. I'm, I'm committed. I'm produ- I'm, I'm writing this script right now that I'm shooting in six to nine months. 
So it it continues. So the fa- I, I do think there's a satisfaction of seeing your product get made, you know, and mm-hmm. seeing that it's not just um, it's not just an idea that's going to be sitting with the network for a very long time. It's interesting to hear you talk about how long it takes to invest in like an audience. Um, One of the things I think about a lot that I notice is like, and I'll even speak from personal experience. Sometimes it feels like there's this like, oh, if it doesn't work this one time or it doesn't work with this one audience or it doesn't work with this one star, this one person, then, you know, we've kind of got to throw up our hands. And, you know, when you talk going back about like how long some of these relationships with different stars um, or different storytellers have been built up over time, it yeah. seems like a real long-term investment that that has to be made. Like I said, when you have so many opportunities to get 40 to 50 films out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then plus the others to get us up to like 200, right? The thrillers mm-hmm. and stuff. You just have so many more opportunities to try stuff and yeah. to take chances, you know, like who hasn't come to Lifetime and wants to come to Lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to encourage young creators to feel like they have opportunities. So like who's new to directing that we can support, mm-hmm. you know, who can come shadow a director if they're not quite ready yet. We have a great shadowing program. It's called broader focus. And mm-hmm. it's about women directors and women of color directors behind the camera. And it's something that's been implemented at lifetime. I want to say since like at least a decade and, wow. um, and it's expanded to directors, writers, producers, and it's all about women and women of color we want to be a, a place to, for people to feel a sense of comfort, you know, that they have opportunity, they can try things, um, you know, even talent that wants to direct for the first time. How do we give them that opportunity? Well, when we have 50 movies that we can need to get made, you know, like there is opportunity. I love that. I had no idea that Lifetime was so invested. I mean, I... I'm not even trying to just nakedly put myself out there. This is something I've said before. I discussed it on the Lifetime Movie Podcast because I tweeted about it. They invited me on the Lifetime Movie Podcast. It's always in my dream to write a Lifetime holiday movie. And I had no idea. And also, I mean, directing is something I've always been interested in. I had no idea that there was a shadowing program at Lifetime that was like focused specifically on trying to bring women into these jobs like behind the camera. I had no idea. Yeah. And that's where it's like, you know, you want people to know, but it's only going to happen if we talk about it. Right. It's like, it's only, um, or if one person has a good experience, how they spread the word. Um, yeah, I think it's really important. And that's so cool to hear if that's something you want to do. And you should, (laughs) and then you and I will offline. (laughs) Yes, I would absolutely love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, I have one very, this is my absolute last question. You know, you as a woman of color with this job, specifically heading up holiday movies, what does it mean to you? What does it meant to you to spearhead this? And, and sure. yeah, and have some of your own experiences possibly reflected through the films that you No, I, and I appreciate you asking that. I think, you know, I just always, I feel really grateful. You know, I feel, I feel grateful to be in a position to help others make their visions, mm-hmm. you know, come, come to life. And I feel, um, you know, my parents came from India in 1969. I was mm. born and raised here, but I've, I've spent every year of my life in India for three to four months. And, um, but at the same way, like we were raised in America where we did learn about Christmas. We did learn about Easter. We did learn about all these holidays of all these different cultures and traditions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the importance of, you know, how, 
how do you be representative of the world we live in? Mm. You know, and it, as a storyteller, and then as a, specifically as, as an executive at a network who has the means to get other people's stories told mm-hmm. and made, how do you start to be more mindful that everyone's stories matters? Everyone's experience matters. And yeah. seeing oneself or seeing um, something remotely like relatable, you know, mm. um, through these films and and it not be what what the movie's about, right? Yeah. It's like I'm making a movie that's that's being inclusive and that's being representative of like the people we walk with every day. Mm. It feels good to have that platform because that's the world we live in, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been grateful though. I just love love the people I work with. I'm literally in Christmas. 365 days a year. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but you grew up not celebrating Christmas and now this is your life. Yeah. And like our parents, it, like we celebrated in a commercial way, I guess, mm-hmm. like where it's like you decorated the tree, you decorated the house, you exchanged presents. So we did grow up with it. But then we also celebrate Diwali and we celebrate yeah. our other holidays. And then, and then there's just a respect. There's a respect how people choose to be who they are and mm-hmm. the families they're in and the relationships they're in and what they show on the outside, what they do in their home. And I think, you know, through movies and storytelling, if, if you can just kind of get some relatability and connection and joy out of it, um, you know, and feel like, oh, that's me up there. That, that feels like what I would do. I don't know. It's, it's nice. <laughs> Oh, look, I'm excited for the Lifetime Diwali film whenever it's coming. I'll be watching. <laughs> I'll definitely, definitely be watching. Well, thank you so much, Sapna. It was great to talk with you. So, yeah, Eric, uh, don't be surprised if in the next couple of years you see my Lifetime holiday movie. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like you've been giving me like small plot points. Uh, if you if you go back and trace the, you know the <laughs> the stuff we've cut from for colored nerds, it's probably like the whole plot like listed throughout uh, all the episodes. No, I'm, I'm be excited to see for it. seven years. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying when you see Morris Chestnut shirtless in front of a fireplace <laughs> on a rug. Why cast you? Know, you snowed can, I'm into right a here. cabin. You just What's cast that? me. I, I would be the person Listen. to. <laughs> I know who your tether is, and it's not Morse Chestnut. Okay, it's not Morse Chestnut. I'm just okay? saying. I'm just saying. If you, you, you really try to get the, the the viewership numbers up, no, uh, Lord knows that will run people away. Aww. But no, I, honestly, I would be excited to see you, and to be honest, a lot more people kind of coming to creating lifetime work. Honestly, it was just such a wild. I mean, it wasn't wild. She didn't say anything really crazy, but it was kind of an interesting experience hearing somebody be so like forthcoming with it like hey no actually come come to us we want to tell your stories yeah i feel like usually that is uh not the opposite it's exciting to see this type of thing not come out of extreme crisis you know Mm. um Mm. i feel like so often you hear about you know the 
program that was developed after, you know, somebody's exec call somebody a nigga or like, yeah. you know, yeah. or was, you know, a huge like sexual harasser or something like that. And so to have like, no, they wanted to invest in this space. You know, they create programming centered around women and women's interests often. And you want to facilitate getting more women and women of color into the business. That is how it should be. You, you know, yeah. it seems, seems wild to say, but that it, it's great that they're, I think they're doing that just because it needs and should be done. I truly wonder how either directly or indirectly having a program like this has brought other people to them. You know, I think for yeah. a long time, Lifetime was really kind of not discredited, but like pigeonholed, I think. Yeah. In terms of like how people might think of the content in terms of like the quality of the content. And I think what has been awesome and so exciting to kind of see from them over the past handful of years is them kind of lean into that and almost make it this kind of like best version of I can have a cheerleader murder mystery movie and, uh, you know, Kelly Rowland holiday movie and they all feel thoughtful (laughs) and strangely considered and and fun. Yeah, I would be like, I, I would write a lifetime movie you know like that (laughs) why not what what is the you know what is the reason not to especially if they are you know saying that like this is a space that they want to hear uh they want to support new voices in like they want to support new voices in this space black voices in this space that sounds amazing shout out to sapna take notes folks it's possible it's you could just choose to create deeper relationships with audiences that have not been served you could just (laughs) choose to invest in that space man and maybe just maybe you will get some exciting ass content like what we've been fucking watching on lifetime lately uh wow who would have thought so you know we've we've hyped lifetime up a bit Mm -hmm. deservedly what do you still want to see well, I mean, I think that I've, I have two thoughts. I have w- one, which is that the ways in which I would love to see Lifetime's content continue to diversify are the same areas where I want, like, even, you know, want all of entertainment across the board to diversify. Yeah. As far as including more people with disabilities, I know that Lifetime has had a holiday movie featuring a disabled actress, Ali Stroker. I'm a big fan. But yeah, I would love to see them continue to include more disabled actors. I also would love to see... And I'll, and to include more opportunities for also disabled people to participate in any part of yeah. the movie making process that you know where they want to be involved, but also to to have. I know that Lifetime has very much always been focused on stories for women. I'd love to see more people who are gender expansive uh, at the center of of Lifetime stories. But the, again, those are things that I want out of like all of Hollywood, yeah. and even also to talking to Sapna and her saying that you know she grew up learning about Easter and Christmas, you know, in the United States, but her parents coming from India. And she's like, you know, we also celebrated Diwali. And I'm like, I really do want the Diwali Lifetime yeah. movie. Like, um, I'm personally ready. <laughs> and I think America is ready. But yeah, I would love to see even like some of the holiday offerings um, open up. Because I mean, damn, she mentioned they putting out 40, 50 movies a year just in her yeah. department, in the holiday department, scripted. That's um, wild. So even... She said it gets closer to 200 when you include the thrillers and the, you know, my babysitter killed me and the romances and all this other stuff. So I'm like, they have the space. Yeah, there is some space in the lineup. I'd love to see their offerings continue to expand in their diversity. But then the other thing, too, is I also just want other companies to do what Lifetime seems to be doing, which is not just investing in the like in the audience in the short term by providing the content, but 
platforming and really um and pipeline giving yeah. opportunities yeah yeah exactly giving opportunities to people who are normally shut out of those pipelines and additionally actually putting money into promoting the content that they make that features people of color we're getting to a point where there's obviously i think for me it feels like more black programming on TV or on streaming than there was 10 years ago. Um, I feel like I have a lot more options. There's two shows about black women, millennials living in Harlem. I think technically three, if you, if you use what's actually in season at any one given time. (laughs) Exactly. That's a very good point. And like, that's great. Those things can all exist at the same time. But, you know, going back to something that we talked about in our episode about HBO Max's love life, that show was one of the best shows I've ever seen, but it wasn't properly promoted. Nope. And also, like, you know, I've made some work. <laughs> for, you know what I'm saying? I've made some work in the past. We have made some work in yes. the past that wasn't properly promoted. Absolutely. Um, and I think sometimes people think that making the content is enough, but, like, you have to also invest in promoting it to the people who are going to be most likely to, to engage with it. But, yeah, I just think that, like, I wish that more companies – across entertainment were doing like when you invest in your pipeline you're investing in your content and you're also investing in in your audience growth it's a long-term strategy that obviously lifetime is seeing pay off in sort of like the millennial all the way up to like boomer age group and like i don't know about y'all we got a lot of disposable income we love to spend money (laughs) like I don't know, yeah. but yeah, those are my two big things. I love to see Lifetime continue to expand their their diversity and their programming, and I would love to see other companies in the entertainment industry do what Lifetime is doing by investing in their pipeline and seeing how that bears fruit in their audience. Yeah, it's like it's like what Pharrell said, my nigga, you could do it too. <laughs> All the other networks, <laughs> exactly. you could do it too. You could do it too. <laughs> Hollywood, you're on notice. I don't know if that means anything to any of you because you probably like, who the fuck are these people? They're like, or did you, you see last year's Oscars? We um, did not press. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're on notice. We want to see more. Follow Lifetime's example. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and let us know what you thought about this episode on Twitter or Instagram. Yes. We are at For Colored Nerds. Appreciate y'all so much. What holiday movies are you obsessed with? Yes, please let us know. Lifetime or not? I want to know, are there any other fans out there who remember a little movie called The Kid Who Loved Christmas from the late 80s, early 90s? Let me know because I've been trying to find other people who've seen that movie too. So yeah, if you're watching holiday movies, let us know and we'll holler at you guys next week. Talk soon. Happy holidays. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Brittany Luce, and Eric Eddings. It's supported by a production team at Stitcher, including producers Alexis Williams, Willis Arnold, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Casey Holford is our technical director, and Peter Clowney is head of content. Our theme music is by Willie Green. We love hearing from listeners, so please connect with us and tell us what you thought of this episode. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at For Colored Nerds and never miss an episode by following us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen.
Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 